0: Welcome to episode 643 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome on to episode six hundred and forty three of I am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oz, how you go,
1: mate? Pretty good, Bevan. There's a strange phenomenon happening today.
0: Wait a second, Why?
1: It's it's called. Well, there's no why. It's called the sun. We've actually got some blue sky. That's it's our today's weather report. Blue sky after about we know five pe- bloody months of rain. We
0: know people love the love our weather reports, and, and we're very lucky in in this room in the new studios because we have a better view than the old one. We do, and we have normally if it's a clear day you can see the mountains, can't you? Mm-hmm. Now in the last two weeks, John, I haven't seen the mountains at all. That's ridiculous. Because it's it, it, it,
1: it, it been that wet. It's just been drizzly and you've cool. not been riding your bike. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get
0: a bit smashed are you? Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. So all you around the world are looking at the sun right now, feel feel bad for us. But today's the day, John, 25 degrees today.
1: It's nice. I'm looking forward to being out on the
0: bike after this. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about I Am Talk, is brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Your active Buffer. And our Patrons. And let's name a few, Johnbo. Christopher and Little J Swain. And we've got Ben Popeye Moore. And Peter Bionic Man Mills. Speaking of Peter's, we had Peter McLeod doing the old
1: car park cannonball on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Penny Farthing. Did he? Oh, yeah. Did he, did he, I know he got up once in practice. Did he get up in the actual race I, I think as he well? actually
0: went up three times.
1: Really? Impressive. Pretty.
0: Have you ever ridden a Penny Farthing? No. I, I'd like to give it a go. Next time, Pete, next time you're there, although I think you yeah. end up breaking your body, wouldn't you? First time? Quite possible. It's the getting up, isn't it? Getting well, up on it's and, and off. going up a hill. It's the hard part. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be going up the car oh. park on it. There's no way I'd be doing that. But just getting, because getting on it would be the hard thing, isn't it?
1: Never tried it. Would never clue. I would have thought so.
0: Yeah, and getting off. How do you get off? Mm. Pretty scary stuff. Peter, Pete, he's a legend. I tell you. Um, this week's show, we've got news. We've got uh, hot topic of the week. We've got age group of the week. High five of the week. We've got a Wang of the week. More questions of the answers of the week. I to it there, John. There you there. Results, we had a couple of big races happen on the weekend, and the first was the South American Championships happening in de Plata. and um,
1: no, what's happening this me John? Do, so do we, do
0: we, should, we, should we become duathlon?
1: <laughs> we just about should. So in this case, so this was, as Bevan said, the South American Championships, more Kona slots on the line, more prize money on the line. Um One of the challenges now with the new system they have is they don't seem to... Yeah, seem to be able to see the did not finishes. I know Tim Tim O'Donnell um, pulled out at some stage, um, but yeah. So the swim got shortened to approximately one point nine kilometres, one point two miles, due to low temperatures. Pretty sure it was low sea temperatures, but I am sh- pretty sure also that's it was reasonably cold. cold outside. So you may think, oh, that's a bit Namby Pamby, uh, Namby Pamby, <laughs> and they shouldn't really be doing this. It's Iron Man, just suck it up. So what I thought I'd do is actually have a look at what the rules state and. I would imagine they would be running these events under ITU rules or something fairly similar.
0: And, and, and let's be honest, it's, it's just factual. If they dip the water and they do a measurement and it's, mm. it's so level, they're going to do that distance, aren't they? Yes.
1: Yeah, so they, uh, in terms of measuring the water, you have to take three measurements around the course. You take one at the start, one, uh, one, sort of in the middle of the course, and one at the far end of the course. And you take the lowest, re- oh, when when they t- do wetsuits, it's the, the lowest reading is the one that counts. I'm not sure when it's the other way around, when the water's too cold, whether they take the highest reading, but I assume they'll probably still take the lowest. So the deal is, for a 38 eight kilometre swim, it's also if it's too hot, the swim yeah. gets cancelled. So if it's above 31 degrees, the swim gets cancelled cut to uh, 750 metres, anything above 32 the swim gets cancelled, Uh, in the range of 15 degrees centigrade to 31 degrees the swim stays as is, if it drops down to between 14 and 15 degrees it gets cut to 3000 metres, Uh, if it's 13 to 14 it goes down to 1500 metres and if it's uh, 12 to 13 then it goes to 750 metres. So none of them actually equal the swim distance they did down there, um, but I'd imagine the practicalities sometimes come into it as well in terms of going, okay, we probably should be doing 1500 meters, but it might be just a little bit longer than that just because of the way oh, the course is end yeah? They ended up doing 1900 meters apparently, okay. so that's a bit of a shame when it's a championship race. But uh, them's the rules, and obviously, safety is paramount, I assume. I haven't actually looked, but I assume the age groupers did the same as well. So, short swim, they're coming out of the swim in around about, uh, first guys were around about 19 minutes, uh, and then they're still putting three minutes into the slower swimmers like Matt Hansen and Michael Weiss and quite a few others. They were coming out in 22, uh, and then Michael Weiss opened a can of whoop ass wow, and just smashed. The crap out of everybody on the bike. Well, but then backed it up with a sub-250 run. Mm. Like, what a great performance. Backing that up after winning another Ironman two weeks ago. Uh, and prior to that, going, what did he go in Kona? Probably about 7th, maybe? Something like that? No, didn't he the in Ninth. Somewhere between seventh and tenth, yeah. I think uh, he may have got tenth. But like he, he
0: kind of blew up in the last part of the run. He was pretty disappointed in his run, mm. so he'd be pretty stoked with that.
1: Yeah. So two wins in a couple of weeks. He swam twenty two twenty four, rode for uh, four ten, and then dominating
0: the bike. One other guy, Stefan, I'm going to say Schumacher, did a four seventeen, but everyone else was basically around to four thirty.
1: Yeah, and then ran a two forty nine for a seven thirty twenty three. So let's say the swim was on then you probably add about 30 minutes on around about an eight hour performance pretty solid well let's look at
0: this because back in the day you get a Stadler, you get a you know chris liado you know you get these uber cyclists but none of them could run to sub 250
1: uh no Stadler was pretty good yeah. Two f- sub 250? He, he would be in that He'd be 250, to 250 to 255 yeah. range. In Kona, though. Um, but it, yeah, not taking anything away from Vice. That's, that's, that's a, impressive.
0: That's a good, you know, normally a good cyclist is is going to be in that 250 somewhere. Now, really, it's just under 250. Mm. But still, that's, that's a good sign for him going into next year.
1: It is. You know, his swim has always been his weakness. Uh, but, you know... Uh, I mean, he had a really solid Kona, but he had some amazing seventy point three. So he's really one of the form athletes of the year. So yeah, it's good great. on him. Matt Hansen was second. He came home with a two hour 45 marathon, but it was nine minutes behind. And Mario De Alice from Argentina was next in, another three minutes back. Plenty of impressive runs. Obviously, with the cooler conditions, that's going to help your running. So, you know, even third place, he ran a 247, so very impressive. On your of things? Females, we had Sarah Crowley, uh, almost led wire to wire. I think she got beaten out of the swim by one or two, but then uh, just crushed it. She swam 22, rode 451, and ran a 301 for an 820. She was getting uh, yeah, put under a bit of pressure by Susie Cheatham, who was uh, about three minutes back running. She ran a three hour. 33 second but the one who faded on the run who could have been amongst it was uh, marinda Carfrey. she only ran 311 and if she'd had her you know amazing run legs on she probably wouldn't have been able to take the win but she would have been in uh you know up I'm there in the top yeah. three or four also for those of you guys listen to the kona coverage um dd griesbauer who is the female commentator over there she ended up in seventh place I'm not quite sure how old she is but she's not a spring chicken anymore, so that's pretty solid, and I think she looks like she led out of the swim. And his report on trirating.com
0: has, with 23 men and 15 women starting the pro race, I initially thought there would be some Kona slots, but apparently the two base slots for each men and woman played a role, and Man announced that there would be four slots for the men and two for the women. For the men, Vice and Stephenson, uh, Stephenson had secured Kona slots in earlier races, so the slots rolled down to sixth place in the pros' race. So Henson, Kramer and Schumacher received four slots and the girls, they went to Sarah Crowley and Susie Cheatham, while McCraffrey also validated her Kona slot as well. So we're starting to see what's happening now, aren't
1: we? Those names, I had a look at a few of them on obs, Obsessed Triathlete. Um, Kramer, for example, he doesn't even come up, so I don't know if he's done any Ironmans before. Uh, Stefan Schumacher, where did he get? He's been, did the Edinburgh 70.3 finished 11th, European Championships 18th, uh, crouch car, 70.3. So he's 20th, loving it, isn't he? Vine Man, uh, this is back in 2015, 69th. So, no, this looks like his first iron distance race. And, and good s- on him. Sneaks in the
0: dirty. or have got six overall, gets a Kona slot. Now, let's, let's one, one discussion we should have throughout this year, because we're, this is a new system, is who's got the easiest Kona slot?
1: Yeah, you know, I would say and this, you're probably this, saying this, this, this he might win it. I think this is going to be it. Yeah, because as
0: we head into the next year, it's going to get a lot more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think if you you it che- rolled down to sixth?
1: Yeah, because the first couple of guys, maybe um, I don't think Germany will be easy, but, but it roll down a bit. It might roll down a bit because you might have a couple of people that have already got their slots. But
0: Germany gets such a much more stellar field. Mm. So the so, guy who, if it rolls down to ten in Germany, it's probably still going to be better than yeah. Not, no. Nothing against Stephen. good on him, yep. you know, but
1: he'd be loving it right now, <laughs> he's I, done I, it. I think you're right, I think that's going to be the easiest kind of slot, so good on them, but there's a few names there, whether they would have got in on the old system, don't know. So then we move on to in Western Australia, and in Western Australia, awesome stuff for Torenzo Brazoni. It was indeed, uh, but he had a battle on his hands with yeah, Cameron did, Worth. So Cameron Worth really stepped it up on his run. He ran a 2.56.29. In the comments that I saw him making, uh, he took the bike a little bit easier this time around. Uh, so he was leaving off the bike, and initially Terenzo was not taking any time out of him, um, but then slowly chipped away and got a lead. They ran together for a little bit. It was I only think. around like the 30k mark, wasn't mm. it? Yeah. Mm. So Terenzo swam 48. Uh, he ran, uh, rode a 4.12 and ran a 2.51 uh, for a 7.56.00. Cam Wirth was uh, only a minute down out of the swim, which is pretty good for him, uh, and then rode a 4.07 and ran a 2.56, and he was only a minute 40 behind. Then it was another 10 minutes back to Matt Burton, and Luke McKenzie was in fourth. So yeah, great comeback from Terenzo. That's two weeks in a row. He won a 70.3 last weekend. Sydney. And then to to win here, you know, I, I'm guessing he's probably not at full fitness, but um, yeah, he's he's on on his way back.
0: But also mentally to win a fight, you know what I mean, to win mm-hmm. a battle, you know, it'll be a great confidence booster for him because, as you say, it, it, you know, is he in peak? Mm, it's hard to say but if you're winning a race hmm. but also you've had to fight to win the race and I, you know for the year that he's had starting the year killing Ironman New Zealand probably thinking he's a real contender at Kona having a crash having to go through this journey to come back and win a race like that is pretty awesome stuff and he's 3-bit it now
1: he has have you got to pay your commission for that now?
0: no 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 I don't oh because
1: I said the word yeah Oh no,
0: we have to ring <laughs> Pat Riley. Give him 50 bucks.
1: Um, but the good thing, again, for these guys, pressure's off now. Camworth and Terenzo Bozzoni have got their Kona slots. They're going both they're both prolific racers, uh, but they can go through the rest of the season without that monkey on the back, especially someone like Camworth, who has done really, really well, often not winning. Well, he's won a few races, but he's often second or third or something like that. And in many races, that might not quite be enough. Uh, so good on them. Uh, on the female side... Equally impressive if not more impressive was Caroline Steffen who had just shy of a dojo domination um, but a course record on her first Ironman back after a few years uh, out of iron distance racing swam 53, rode 4.44 and then ran a 3.06 for an 8.49.45 and I think she beat the course record by around about 5 minutes or so uh, and then Barbara Riveros uh, who's on debut former ITU athlete she's won, pretty sure she won Xterra Worlds, um, but she certainly does a bit of Xterra, uh, she was in second place in 9.08 and Dimity Lee Duke in 9.15. So again, Bevan was saying about the allocation of Kona slots here, uh, it looks like there's, um, there was four slots, and because the size of the fields are fairly equal, it looks like there was 10 finishes on the, uh, female side, on the male side and 8 on the, the females, then uh, those slots get shared equally. So two for the males and two for the females but so. the slot
0: allocation happens before the race isn't it it's not done after the race cuz like let's say you had a like, highly unrealistic but let's say you had a race where 40 guys turned up mm. But only ten finish. Mm-hmm. Fifteen girls turned up and ten finish. What happens here?
1: Don't know. But here there was there's only three DNFs listed on um, Torsten's ratings here, so there might have been 13 male starters and uh, eight females. So I guess this one would have been real borderline as to whether uh, those two extra slots went to the males or the females so we have to get somebody on to talk through the permutations of the this permutations so one other thing dawson's
0: done is which is a really great resource and i'll put a link to it in the show notes it's basically he's he's the person who's letting us know who's qualified for kona and he's already got the current qualifiers so interestingly we already have 17 qualifiers for the females
1: yes yeah, so there's only gonna be 35 so we're halfway i think there'll probably be more than th- well no i don't know actually uh there could be there'll be however many there is you know, there's, they've already allocated the number of slots. Oh, so if, they're not limiting it now? Well, they're limiting the number of slots you get f- from races, but you've got to remember that mirinda Carfrey, Daniela Reith, uh, Lucy Charles and Anne Haug have all got their automatic slots, so they won't count. If they go and do a race, like so, let's say Marinda Carfrey had one at the weekend, she only finished six, but say she had one, her slot would have rolled down. Okay, so well, here, I, I would imagine there'll be... Around about 40. Well, yeah, based on Dawson, he's saying 41. 41, okay. So he's
0: already open slots, at 24 left, mm-hmm. already assigned 17. So it looks like there's going to be 41 girls. As that's if they all turn up. Then in the men's open slots, we have 24. Uh, and we've already assigned 22. So 46 men. So will be less men.
1: Oh, Torsten does so much good work here. Because you can't find this bloody information on the IMAN website. He's then got upcoming qualifying races and he's got all the prize purse um, for those races and then he's got uh, all the, the slot guy pay allocations. He probably, probably gets paid nothing. Give him a pay rise. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm it. A-
0: so, now, the unassigned slots, do we think the races pay for those? Because um, like in New Zealand, it's a second tier race nowadays. Yes. You know,
1: but that's managed to get four pro slots. Right, I, I would imagine so. It's not what you know, it's how you know Bevan sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but also, geez, there's some variation in prize monies here. Like, for example, some of the low-level ones, I mean, Switzerland uh, is only $30,000. Yep. Uh, that's because it's it's male-only Oh, pro. of
0: course. Okay. But then you go to Copenhagen, pro woman, you only get one slot. Yep. Pro woman-only race interestingly there $30,000 races on oh, no, a no, no! fairly um Thailand is also 30 as well and that's for females and then we the men's one at 30 um so yeah so the, uh, already we have nearly 17 or nearly half of the profile done for the year for Kona next year
1: and we're only what two months out of Kona mm. some of those people will need to validate uh, in terms of like the the champions and I've like, Miranda Carfrey validates just she's set, she's set for the year now uh so total total price, pool is two million six hundred fifteen thousand dollars. Sounds like a lot, but not really. Not really. Went there to win golf tournament. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, you know, like who was that
0: guy who won seven million bucks in that championship? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. no, I, mean, I can't remember his name. Well, Phil Phil and Tiger—they had a nine Didn't they a nine million dollar match the other day?
1: I yeah, I, d- I did see it, but I don't didn't follow it. Jesus, mate. Why, why can't we be golfers? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so that's pretty interesting stuff. So you, we, if you, if you, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's pretty interesting stuff. You can see who has already qualified. And uh, yeah, game on. It'll be interesting to watch as we progress through the year. So John, let's look about what's other news. We've got a new 70-point race going to India.
1: We have in Goa. So I did a race in India back in... Does it have
0: much of a community?
1: Yeah, a little bit of a community. When would it have that been? Probably would have been 99 I did a race back in India. Yeah. Uh, Surprised it's taken this long to be honest. Venues would be um, potentially hard to come by, but yeah, So in Goa, it's going to d- debut next year, October twentieth, twenty nineteen. Uh, I think you know, I men are going to go to town on the developing markets like this uh, through Asia. So good stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. We'll be interested to see how they progress the sport in an area like India. Like you're coming up
0: races weekend, we're pretty much done for the iron distance racing for the rest of 2018, but we do have the challenge and it's going to be happening this weekend in Challenge Daytona. And it looks like a pretty cool event.
1: It does. So you know, it's always cool to have those little gimmicky factors, you know, doing a, a lap around Daytona. Apparently the, uh, the swim course is actually quite nice. It's in, the, in a lake in the middle of the track. Uh, no, how so, about that? Sorry? How about that? Yeah, it'd be cool. So I'll be interested to see how it goes. They've got a few pros. Um, I think Andy what is Potts. It? Is, it a, is it a half? It's a half, yeah. Uh, Andy Potts was racing. Cam Worth was down to race. Uh, so they have got a few pros there. Very late in the season for the American uh, audience. But good luck to everybody racing there. And also there is the Patagonia man is on this weekend. I remember um, Lucy... Charles? Uh, no, Lucy Gossage was uh, saying she was going to go and do that. That's one of those uh, extreme triathlons, which I'm sure will be pretty cool.
0: Okay, one question I have for you, John, because we've got rant of the week coming up right now, and I was riding down, the, oh, I wasn't actually riding, I don't remember by much nowadays, but um, I was driving around town, and if, if, like many cities in the world now, we have the lime scooters. Mm-hmm. And one thing I know about John Newsom, if you want to get John Newsom angry, just ride your bike without a helmet. Mm-hmm. So how are you handling the the scooters, mate? Yeah, it's
1: not my, not my cup of tea, Bevan, not yeah. my cup of tea. You're not happy about the helmet factor? Because eh, they go faster really. than bikes. Yeah, yeah. I just think they're Unnecessary Bevan oh, Do, um, you, do yep. you reckon? Yep it's, it's just no way Transport Yeah I, don't, I think the argument of It's saving people Driving cars uh, Doesn't wash with me It's like People using to get around But I don't think it's saving it Very many car miles So get rid of them <laughs> Dangerous <laughs> You're not very Running over like grandmas <laughs> Poor old grandmas are Getting run over All the place we the
0: kids around here They brought them up here The other day And that little loop down there. It's a little pretty steep loop. <laughs> the kids were doubling up on them. And it was an accident waiting to happen, but good fun. Okay, John, you've got a rant of the week. Here we go.
1: We have. It's, it's watered down a little bit, this rant. When I initially got it, it's pretty fired up. Pretty fired <laughs> up. Peter Colson sent it through. Yep. So I, I don't know why I don't get these emails either, because they went out to... Because they know you're going to rant about it. Well, no. It clearly must have gone out to all the IMAN Oceania uh, athletes, which I'm clearly obviously not part of. Yeah. So... Uh, Is Ironman World Championship at Kona on your bucket list? Well, this is your chance to get to the big dance on the Big Island in Hawaii in October 2019. Just be registered for any full distance 2019 Ironman Oceania event and you'll be entered to win one of 40 slots winners we randomly selected in three draws between now and January 23rd. It's going to be 10 slots drawn by 10th of December, another 10 by December 24th, and another 20 by January 21st. So you're pretty upset about that? I am. (laughs) I've I've calmed down because this probably came in about a week ago. So initially I'm just thinking this is ridiculous ridiculous it's just another money grab to try to get people to enter Kona I'm sounding like a broken record I know I've gone on and on about this but I reckon it's just disrespecting the athletes in terms of those that have to work incredibly hard to get there what's the difference between this
0: and the old lottery system
1: not a great deal. I'm not a fan of the old lottery system either. And Ironman's angle with this is they say, "Oh, John and Judy Collins always wanted people to Every have a day. chance to be able to do Iron Man. That ship sailed. There's so many bloody other ship has sailed. <laughs> other Ironmans you can do. So Kona should be reserved as a championship race. And then, if you want to get there, go down the legacy path. Um, that's my opinion. And but then well, what followed hey, on hey, from hey. that is then Ironman announced there are these slots are actually sort of worldwide slots so then you're thinking you're special because you're from Oceania but then actually so is that you're not that special uh, you're not that special and it seems like it's worldwide so so they promoted it as an Oceania thing but it was actually worldwide so basically
0: anyone who enters an Ironman by the end of this year basically mm. uh, will go in the draw to win f- 40 slots basically one of the 40 slots
1: and uh, you understand what they're doing this is sort of replacing the lottery system but it's time to move on and actually allocate those slots to races, uh, I don't mind the odd race here or there like in New Zealand if it's a lady 50th anniversary or whatever, you know, a few bonus slots here or there, but just as a money grab to get people to enter early really pisses me off. Okay.
0: I don't know if this one pisses me off so much, John.
1: Oh, Bevan, <laughs> where's your
0: spine? <laughs> where's your spine? I'm just thinking about it. Like, I don't actually mind that they have some people who turn up to go to, who, you know, like 40 slots over the whole race who, you know, maybe don't to, aren't going to be in the sport for 20 years, aren't, you know, I, I, I don't know. If, I'm not so angry about this one. Because to me, it's like, I, I did like the old lottery system because mm-hmm. anyone anywhere in the world could enter and, and go and do our big premium event. And I kind of thought that was cool. I thought there were too many slots and I thought it was too American-centric. Uh, and and they obviously it was, it was obviously a pretty good profit maker for them.
1: Um, so I didn't mind that. But it was an opt-in, like you opted in, I'm... Um- desperate to go I want to opt in and you paid your 50 bucks or whatever each year to do that this is they're just including everybody and the enticement is to get you into early so they can get your money off you that's what frustrates me well there's lots of things that frustrate me but that's one of them you're an angry man but but you've got to remember that this is just one of many things that compound. So you've got 40 slots here. You've got, say, like the executive Ventum slots, which is 5, or 10. That executive challenge, now you're getting me pissed off. <laughs> here we go. That is one of the most ridiculous things I've <laughs> ever heard of. But then you've, say, got the Ventum slots. There's, there's loads of other slots, and we know this. We've been told this from other areas. There's, there's loads of people. this there's at least a hundred that are getting in into Kona. I'll so you, be, so you I'll be saying it's closer to two hundred that are getting in that have not qualified or have not gone down the legacy path.
0: So you think Kona should only be for people who have who've earned it, earned it either through a legacy or qualifying.
1: That's the way that I'm going now. Yes, <laughs> you've gone get for real rid of, <laughs> <laughs> get rid of those bloody sponsors slots for starters. Get rid of the executive challenge. That's ridiculous. I and maybe at other Ironmans all that stuff. That's all good and well, but at Kona. Get rid of all that shit. Start giving the people... But the see, I hard. don't
0: mind this because I don't mind that there is a way um, that, you know, just someone who's maybe around for a couple of years, want, you know, I don't mind 40 slots in this system. Mm. And you know what? It's their business. They're allowed to try and get your money earlier. Like, come on, Mr. Race Director here, what's the most frustrating thing about being a race director?
1: Not getting people entering early.
0: <laughs> so so would you do this? No. As a race director? No. No.
1: Uh-huh. I would not. Of course not. You give other incentives, you might go right, enter now and you Early get free, you know, you go in the drawer for one pair of shoes or 10 pairs of shoes or something, but no, they're giving away something here that a lot of people value really highly and as an athlete it pisses me off that, you know, so many people are working really hard to get there and then they're just giving away slots.
0: Okay. Well, we'll I
1: know the rest of the audience agrees me, even if you. We have to agree to
0: disagree, John. Of course, because you're you're always right. That's what you've told Belinda. Exactly. She she knows it too. Uh, Okay, this week's discussion, John. So last week we had an interesting discussion, and it was if you were to go pro. How would you know when was the right time to retire and what would you do after the fact? And John, you can go first because I'm just pulling it up right now.
1: Okay, Michael Fox, and he's actually been in this position because he's gone from sort of being an age grouper. I think he's dabbled in uh, trying we, to, we, to we make it as a Michael? pro. Sorry? Did we interview Michael? Uh, Yeah I think we have Yes, Uh, but I think he was overdoing Ultraman um, recently he says haha this one is a little close to home for me at present when I went to Kona and raced some incredibly talented athletes I realised they are struggling to survive in the sport and they are considered the best the sport barely allows a majority of them to be professional and unlock their true potential I have tremendous amount of respect for the pro guys to continue performing at such a level under loads of stress many age groupers give them a hard time and want to be like them or admire their lifestyle. Unfortunately, the lifestyle behind the social media feeds is very different. Good
0: old Lucy Gossage.
1: She goes, oh, please tell me the answer. <laughs> She's on that path right now as I well. I have some
0: ideas. And then good old Gary Milner's got, uh, although there is not yet a little gremlin in the back of your mind saying, "Oh, as, as long as there's not a little gremlin in the back of your mind saying, not yet. One more Kona, surely. So there you go.
1: David Sheridan says, I'm picturing myself as a pro and God damn it, I look hot. I think you should retire when you keep getting chicked. After that, I'd become a male model. Uh, Good old uh, vascular Viking Volker Voigt, he says, there are a lot of male pros that will retire after racing Daniela Reef in that case.
0: That's true. It is true. Carl Haynes has got, when I realised after a few weeks that for 98 percent of pros there is no way you can make a living in the sport then i would get a regular job that allows me to be a good age group while paying the bills and saving for retirement but if i could live the life of a pro without worrying about money i'd take that any day
1: Nick Mallett, uh, depends a lot on where you are based in the world and how business savvy you are. There are a bunch of ex-pros and current B-pros doing very well in the Asia-Pacific region right now. I would suggest many of them are actually doing better business than some of the more well-known pro athletes in North America and Europe. Or Richard Swan's got retire when you are not
0: getting any sponsor bonus for winning, then I would immediately become a coach as there is a real nice missed opportunity for ex pro triathletes to move in professional coaching, plus there is an endless demand of triathletes wanting to pay for coaching.
1: That's all I've got, bevan
0: um, I'll do one more. I'm going to say good old Daniel flannery I think uh, I think it's about the, your why and where you're at. Why do you compete, and is it still fulfilling if not? Where will you move on to do, and where uh, where are you at financially? Is there a job, career, life waiting for you? Do you earn enough to sustain yourself, or are you earning as much as you need for a couple of years to set yourself up? John, you.
1: Uh, It kind of depends where you sit in the pro ranks. So let's let's picture yourself maybe being one of those guys, you you win an odd race here or there, and maybe you're you're sort of just outside the top 10 in Kona, maybe somewhere between 10th and twenty. Chris McDonald. yeah
0: so he did well he made money he, he, he got those little big sexy business happening around him yeah but how,
1: we don't know how much money he's actually making out of that I've got absolutely no idea so um, so for me it would be where, where I'm at in life um, in terms of you know if you're in your early 20s bloody hell I'd be suggesting go travel the world and see things but most of these I am in mean athletes are uh, late twenties, going into their thirties, if not further down the track, and you just look at them sometimes and go, geez, are you flogging a dead horse there or not? So for me it would depend where my um, life goals were, whether financially it would be massively important for me to make sure that I'm advancing my financial status to where I'd want it to be at that stage of my life. Um, and in terms of the performance side of things, of course you'd want to reach feel like you've reached your maximum potential, but um, if you weren't quite there and you were just flogging a dead horse and not getting results, then I would I would uh, throw in the towel. And I think for a lot of the um, second, third tier pros. They may well do better if they were working twenty hours a week and actually having that le- reduced stress of uh, of not having enough income coming in. If you work twenty hours, yeah, you're gonna that's gonna take a bit of a hit in your training. But the the, the reduced stress f- through having some dollars in the bank and also be able to you know feed yourself properly and not have to skimp and save everywhere. I think but, they but may well perform better.
0: Let's go back to the question because the question is if you're a pro. Uh, when is it time to retire and what would you do so let's assume you've actually survived mm-hmm. you know because it's kind of more the journey of how you know but let's say you've actually had a career and, and you know and you who knows how much you've made but let's say you, you're mid pro, you've you've made a living you might have saved a little bit of money mm-hmm. you know let's no, say you've got a house you got yeah, a mortgage but, you sort of Brian Murray, you know he's got he a house i think mm-hmm. he's got a couple of houses you know like you know so you know it, in that context when would you decide
1: Oh, then, then it would just be when your performance starts to degrade and if you're not able to sustain that level of living that would be the the case for me is uh you know if um if you're a typical top fiver and you start dropping down to five through ten and you're not improving then that would be that would be time for me what would you do i'd go into coaching, <laughs> <laughs> coaching no, awesome. it would depend what your qualifications are um but coaching is going to get increasingly harder because there's just so many more coaches out in the markets. So, um, yeah, I, if, if I was in, in the shoes, you'd be trying to set something up in that, you know, the latter years of your career, whether it be triathlon related or outside of triathlon, but it's something you need to, to build into. Bevan, what would you do?
0: Um, I think I would. Uh, it, it definitely would be when, for me, when I lost the love of the challenge, you know, and, and maybe I couldn't, you know, it's either you can't compete. Mm-hmm. You know, you are just fading um, or you've lost the love of the challenge, you know, and and uh, for me, that's why when I gave up the sport it was like, okay, well, I, I've loved the sport for a period of time, but this challenge is now just a habit and I'm kind of just going through the motions instead of trying to mm-hmm. grow. Uh, so it'd be definitely be that. And then what would I move on to? Uh, well, obviously my career is currently fitness, so you'd like to say that, but I, I probably would educate myself, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I think a lot of people sometimes... Get one skill set that determines their life mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a good idea to actually go you know i like look at a peter reed mm-hmm. you know he could have had a long career in triathlon after the fact but mm-hmm. he became a pilot and you know dips his feet into the sport once and again in a while because he has a, a a significant kind of presence in our sport but um i probably would educate myself and uh become the leader of the world john that's what, <laughs> that's what, that's what, that's what i would do We
1: should do here's a project for you we should look at a bunch of pros and actually see what they're doing not necessarily the Kona winners like where are they now yeah where are they now those sort of 5 through 10 guys um, would be quite interesting to see can you, you name that. one
0: from like the 90s from the early
1: 2000s who would be one like that uh, give me give me well someone like Kenny Souza. he was a sort of Scott Molina era yeah um, he but he I know he did he was working for Cliff Bar he was very very good but then uh, let's say Mike Peg. Mike Pig He's not really involved in triathlon. He was, a real estate agent. He was in real estate. Yeah, um, yeah. It'd just be interesting. If you haven't listened to our... I, and
0: I say this every time when I, I think about Mike Pig. Pig, if you haven't listened to our Legends podcast with Mike Pig, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Go back and just go to our Legends, you know, podcast and find that one because it's a pretty great interview.
1: Someone like Brad Bevan. we did interview him. I think he was doing coaching, but I'm not sure if that was his hundred uh, percent gig. Because one of the things about being a coach,
0: like I remember when I first started PTing at the gym, and there's the, the ones who have been around for a long time, and and the problem with PTing is that often people in like fitness industry is a really poor industry. Making money in fitness is really hard, um, and to make a decent, you know, to make good money. Like I think a top personal trainer in New Zealand makes about 100k, and it's mm. and it's 10. You know, most personal trainers make. Pretty much minimum wage Or not much You know They're not making A huge amount of money Uh, But one of the problems For ones who stay around For a long time Is that It's quite a stale job They get quite stale And they Mm. don't really grow And then occasionally You see the odd personal trainer Who Is really great You know Mm. And has been around For a long time Making good money and, And they're just a real Rock star at their game and the key to it is, you've got to love helping people. Mm. You know, like, you might know your shit about triathlon, yeah, yeah. but if you don't have the desire to actually want to help people and have mm. an impact on people's lives... Because the thing about being a pro-triathlete, you're living in a me world, man. Yeah. You are living in a me world. And uh, especially if you're a good triathlete, pro-athlete, because, like, I have this joke. I, I work for this lady called Lester Osborne, and she's superstar in fitness world. Like, she's a superstar. And I'm a very good friend because I work for her. And I have this joke that... Everyone always laughs at Lisa's jokes, and, and Lisa is quite funny. But, and the thing is, she's so famous, people just want to please her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's this thing of fame. When you're very successful, like Jan Fredino, he mm-hmm. walks into a room, everyone just wants to talk to Jan. Mm-hmm. Now, after a period of time, you lose that status. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, and, but you've been in this world, it's so about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're also doing a sport that's so self absorbed. So, for a lot of pro triathletes, then they go into a world where it's about helping other people. If you don't have that ingrained in you as a person, it, it, it might, you know, it might, mm. you might end up in a role that you don't actually really like.
1: Yeah, you
0: because know, coaching is, it's, you know, it is about helping other people.
1: Um, thinking of a lot of the females um, I'd imagine you know a good chunk of them probably have uh, children and, yeah. and now when I mean, I'm looking through this list a lot of them are still involved people like Paul and Yubi Fraser um, Karen Smyers Fernanda Keller she was doing some amazing stuff outside of uh, triathlon so I'm sure she's still pursuing Was she that. the one
0: we interviewed her she was a right legend in his country in
1: Brazil yeah yeah. yeah. Uda um, Muchel from Germany I'd be interested to see what she's doing we know Erin Baker she's not really uh, she's sort of starting to get back into the sport Heather Feuer but she went a totally different career, didn't she? She did. Yeah. Um, Tia Sabesma, she was uh, the first lady to go under nine hours for Ironman. She was a doctor, I'm pretty sure. We did her interviewed her on uh, Legends. So. Yeah, and then I looked through some of the guys. You know, Pauli Kuru, he's a politician. He Wolfgang true. Dietrich, he's a, I think he's doing swim coaching. You got Tinley, you got Glar. Um, I'm just looking through some of the Kona results. Ray Browning, remember we had him on Legends. He was a, uh, he was a PhD. I think he was a, a university lecturer or a. Teacher. And that's what Tinley is as well. He's an academic, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Interesting stuff. Okay, this
0: week's discussion. Would you take a randomly drawn... <laughs> here we go. <laughs> 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 would you take a randomly drawn Kona slot uh, if you get one? So basically, if you end up entering an IMM before the end of the year, and you win one of those 40 slots, would you? Why or why not? And let's assume that you don't have the ability to qualify as Kona by being fast. So you're not someone who's going to be able to rock up and get a, like a qualification in a race. You mm-hmm. might get legacy. Yeah. John, I reckon... I'm making a prediction here. Everyone's going take it, unless their life situation means they can't
1: uh i, I agree, but I remember we, we last time I raced in Kona, we had a guy from Christchurch who got in from the lottery, and he came across and he did take a slot, yeah, but he felt pretty weird about it in, in terms of oh, felt, yeah, like he still was, took it. felt like he was an imposter. yep yep, so I'm interested to
0: see if people would take it. okay so would you take it and uh, just would you do it to say Bevan's right you
1: <laughs> here we go <laughs> this sweet sponsor. Extreme endurance. Arctic buffer. And we are oh, Bevan, I've got, you got some many, athletes here. Many windows or like, or, uh, do you not do the swipe up? I do, I do, but then I've I've lost where I'm where I'm at. I'm losing my here we well, go.
0: Global team of champions, John. And, and many of these are weightlifters and crossfit people, but also runners like Clayton Murphy, an eight hundred metre runner, a hurdler, Georgia Joy Georgiana? Yeah,
1: Sage Watson's a hur- hurdler. You've got uh, Chari Hawken, who's a heptathlete. You've got quite a few distance runners. You've got Kyle uh, Merber. You've got a very well-known runner, Zach Bitter. Uh, Bitter. Uh, he's ultra set runner. stupid, crazy ultra-run records. Um, but as we said, a lot of CrossFit athletes. You've got Corey McGee, who's a 1,500-metre runner. You've got Jordan McNamara, who's a 1,500-metre runner. And then you've got a Major League Baseball player, Tuffy Tuffy. Whoa, <laughs> what a great cool. name. Tuffy Go switch. Tell you what, John. If
0: you do CrossFit and endurance sport, you're a good-looking person because <laughs> <laughs> there ain't an ugly-looking person in this. And boys and girls, these are these are sharp-looking characters. I tell you. Yeah. Everyone is looking mean, lean, fit. And keen.
1: So I know Zach, but, but uh, he's, he uses uh, a variety of products, and I know he uses the, the Fuel 5. Uh, and he set a world re- in 2013, he set a world record over 12 hours, running 101.66 miles. So what's that, 160k in 12 hours? Yeah, and an American, 100 miles in 11 hours, 47 and set the fastest 50 mile in North America in over 30 years with a 512. Uh, So he trains over 20 20 hours a week. He's also got a full-time job, and he's a high school teacher in Madison, what's WI, Wisconsin is it, I think it is? Maybe. Uh, Extreme Endurance is one of the critical Pieces to my recovery and workout regimens. Some of my favourites include Extreme Endurance, Immune Boost, Omega and Joint 4. So look, there's loads of top quality athletes. They wouldn't be putting their name behind a brand that they uh, didn't believe in. So if you want to get yourself a little boost um, pre-Christmas, go and check out xendurance.com, promo code Talk 20 And if you are thinking of a cheeky little Christmas present for somebody who's an athlete in your family, then if they haven't tried this, check it out. Remember the promo code I am talk twenty. So,
0: hundred. Okay, wait a second. So he runs a hundred mile. He's basically averaging about thirteen point seven k's an hour. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good for twelve hours. Solid. That is solid. Solid. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long do you reckon? Okay, here's a challenge.
1: Here's a challenge for you, well, Newsom. What, what k pace is that then? Must Ooh, be it's
0: thirteen point seven k's an hour.
1: Yeah, but f- is it four minutes what per k? Okay, let me put it it's, Let me pull it up. Um, it, it must be. It's not four minutes, but it's not five minutes. So, so wait a second, so, let,
0: so 13K an hour, so let's go, let's do this right now. You talk about something But else I would
1: say, if, I, if let's say if it was four minute 30Ks, how long could I keep doing that so, for? So
0: how long, wait a second, so you're going, oh, I don't really have time. So if you're doing 13... Let's say
1: it's 4 minutes 30 per K. Uh, 4 minutes 30 per K, how long could I keep yeah, that up? Yeah, th-
0: th- that's a challenge. I reckon here's your, t- your summer challenge. Well, that's
1: No, it's not my summer challenge. <laughs> Here we go. But <laughs> 4.17 per K is 3 hour marathon pace. So it's a little bit slower than that. So I'm guessing 4.30s is probably 3.15, something like that pace. Yeah. Jeez, I wouldn't be able to keep that up for that long. Uh, if I was in top shape, maybe you could maybe, maybe do a double marathon at that pace. Maybe. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I
0: reckon about five five hours, five and a half. Mm. Not he, something
1: I aspire to. He's do. doing twelve hours of it,
0: mate. He's, that's solid. Solid. Yeah, he's <laughs> the world record holder. Solid. Go okay, Zach. Extreme endurance, guys. Check it out: Extremeendurance.com and you can get all the cool stuff and check out some of the cool athletes as well. Three, two, one. Age, age groupers trip-toid. of the week. We're going to be looking at the Kona champions, females forty plus, this week. Because we've been looking at all the champions because we've got to give them some love.
1: And John Both these are fast females. These are. So tell us about it. So forty to forty-four age group, you had uh Sion Jongstra take that out. Fifty-nine minute swim, five oh four on the bike, and a 3.36 on the run. Close racing. It really she, was between she, top three, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 9.46. Second place was 9.48. Third was 9.49. So three minutes covering the top field there. So very awesome. Well, if you go to the, the,
0: the females, 45 to 49, good old Jeanette Dormer, she dominated the dojo. A 9.23.25. And then got Elizabeth Villa, 9.54. 9.23. That is that, smoky. who swim. A sub five bike four fifty eight and then ran a three fifteen.
1: And she would have won the eight, the the younger age group as well what what would you say it was? Nine twenty three. Nine twenty Nine forty six won the forty to forty four. So
0: she's dominated dojo of the young one. I could go earlier. What's
1: younger than that, John? Uh thirty five well what place did she finish overall?
0: Females. Oh, it's got gender place twenty three, but does it include pros?
1: Yeah. It's pretty impressive. <laughs>
0: yeah. And she's what, she's in the forty five to forty nine category. Very impressive. That's what I can I'm gonna say uh Pl. Uh, um, and she did 10.05 in the forty,
1: the 50 to 54 uh, we had Michelle Enslin take that out she swam 106 rode 516 in a 3.41 run for a not a dojo domination but she did a 10.12 winning by 14 minutes
0: in the 55 59 category K is a uh, Jacobson took it out in a 1.15 swim, a 5.32 bike, and then a 3.51 run for a total time of 10.47.57. She won by
1: 13 minutes. Next stage group, I don't think I even realised this, which is a shame, which I'm happy to actually be going through this, 60-64, Julie Daggett. You remember Julie? She came on, uh, she was over oh, on the yeah. right there. Oh yeah, I didn't even realise that. She swam a one twenty one. She biked five fifty two, and she ran four nineteen for an eleven forty one. How much she won Winning by? by one minute and ten seconds.
0: Wow, that'd be the closest age group woman, wouldn't
1: it? I uh, would think so. And her run time is two minutes quicker than. The so she won it in the last place, part of the run, potentially. Yeah, yeah, highly or highly likely. She may have been. F- May have got a big lead, may have faded, but anyway, bloody close racing. She's a hard-working athlete, old Judy. Lovely, too. Lovely. Just a real calm presence. Lovely. pre race Calm, pre-raced nerves. Bloody oh, hell, no, I've never well, seen
0: anything like it. Well, no, but outside of the race. She's yeah. She's got a lovely soul. Um, we've got Missy Lester. Strange, I can say strange. Um now she dominated Dojo by over an hour, or just under an hour. She did a one 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 swim, a six oh two bike, and this is in the sixty-five to sixty nine category, and then a five oh three run for a twelve
1: twenty-eight, winning the second place got thirteen twenty-four. So she's been crushing it for ages, and she was the one in Kona who tried to gra- grab the microphone off. Um, oh, that's right. And Bevan said, "You never let somebody grab the microphone. Fatal off the error. Stage. If you're an MC
0: and you're interviewing somebody, you always hold the microphone because someone grabs the microphone. God knows how long it's going go <laughs>
1: for. And, and who was who was doing that? Was, it, it, was uh, it was either Greg Welsh or Mike Riley?
0: Yeah. And and this lady and she just grabbed it away and started. And she, she didn't go on for too long. Luckily, yeah, she was actually pretty great, but. It's a dangerous situation when you let go of the mic. <laughs> Got to hold that mic. You own that mic. Dominate it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, the awesome seventy to seventy-four age group. There was uh, pretty close to racing. Ten finishes. Um, and three DNFs. Um. Bobby Greenberg won in 1.37 swim, 7.01 on the bike, 5.35 on the bike for 14.28. by eight minutes, and then only another six minutes back to third. So Cullen Goodyear was second, and Anne Grundy was in third. And Valerie Gonzalez. Yeah, the lady we had on the show. Yeah, she finished in fifth place, so made the Kona, Kona podium.
0: I'll tell you what, her, her was her swim
1: one fifty seven in the swim. Yeah. So if she'd got a little bit faster to
0: swim, she would probably would closer to getting that third spot. But oh so be
1: it, John, so be it. So those are our females
0: in the plus forty category and conan. Well done, so because we, we didn't
1: know seventy five to seventy nine and no eighty pluses and no eighty five pluses. I'm looking down at the males and they have got seventy five, so I've got eighty to eighty four, plus I've got eighty five. Which is interesting, really,
0: because females
1: tend to age better. They do. You know, like it is
0: interesting now, again, in the sport, there tends to be more male, it's a more dominated male sport. But females do tend to age
1: better. 80, 80, we did have an 85-year-old finisher, male. Oh, that's just Give so him sad. love this week and next week because that's awesome. What time did he do? Hiromo oh, Hiromu in, right. in, in, in Arda. He did 16.53.49. Oh, just under. Yeah.
0: Okay, John, let's do this. Three,
1: two, one, Coaches corner.
0: corner. Okay, John's getting a little bit frustrated with people who are either one way or the other.
1: No. So This, the, this, yeah, this is the other coaches. They don't know what they're on about. No, this, this is I, I I saw something go up on Facebook, uh, and it was another coach. I didn't even look at it, didn't listen to it, so I don't know what they were saying, but the topic was you know, something like get rid of your devices, yep. and I thought that's an interesting point. Don't necessarily agree with it. Understand where you're coming from, but uh, this, this is... So you're, of, you're
0: about to dispute whoever that coach was.
1: Oh, no, I'm not disputing. I'm, I'm saying up, PC, the positives yeah. and the negatives to living and dying by your devices. Okay, so sure. should we get rid of our devices and go, bugger this, screw the what, screw the pace, just train and race by feel. So... So, let's start with the positives. The positives. And this is why you should train with devices. And this, I think part of the, my rationale for bringing this up, it, it was a former pro athlete who coaches a lot of pro athletes. And again, didn't listen to it. I don't know what she said. Oh, it's a as well. <laughs> <laughs> you narrow it down here. Rhymes with. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess the thing is, with pro athletes, they've often had such long careers, they know their bodies inside and out. So my first point is many athletes especially those that don't have an athletic background do not know how to push hard and devices are able to assist them to do so, especially a bike power meter. Once you actually figure out your zones and you actually start, and I see this all the time, you start to push athletes, they they have trained. They start training harder than they've ever trained before because previously they've just done it by feel and they might do one or two good reps. Say for example, you say, right, go and do eight times five minutes um, hard and um, without a power meter. Uh, and they do it, and they do it by feel, and they go, yep, that was a hard session. When they actually do it with a power meter, they realise how hard they've got to go in the back half, and they actually realise they need to go a bit easier in the well, first part.
0: And also, it's a motivator. Like, if I'm doing a and running wait, se-
1: wait, wait, waiting. Okay, okay. That's well, coming, down. I did see motivated motivator down here. Um... Well, you save that for now. Okay, 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 okay. I, I, I Wait, I can't wait. So I get one. Yes. So um, many athletes do not know how to push hard. So that's point number one. Uh, point number two, and this is so blatantly obvious, it's just laughable. Most athletes don't know how to pace races, especially inexperienced yeah. athletes. Uh, you just rock up to a 10K race, wear your garment uh, when you go and do that, and Go right, I'm running an even pace and you'll see how you move through the field. Most athletes are so clueless, especially in running races, uh, that uh, they just go out far, far too hard. So that's point number two, same applies in triathlon. Most athletes will go too hard, too early on the bike. Uh, Number three, the cool thing about devices, it gives you the ability to measure your progress, both when you're training and racing. So you can use that as a motivator. Huh, stole your point. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, no, because I'm going to go deeper into my point. So, you know, with a power meter, you can go, okay, I've done my TT. Some, sometimes it's 20 minute TTs, other times it might be a different measure you're doing. You might go, okay, I'm going to measure a one hour at I Man effort and see. Well,
0: and also, uh, like, you know, like if you do a 5K TT, it then gives you your, 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 your scales or, yep. or the tools that you're going to use around pacing in your sessions, or so, like a, t- a 20 minute TT on the
1: bike. Exactly. So it gives you the ability to measure your progress both in training and racing. Number four, it gives you the ability to learn from your errors and your victories. So, if if you have a fantastic race and you run really, really well off the bike and you're trying to go, well, why did that happen? Then you've actually got some power information to go, okay, I know when I ride at that power over that distance, in that sort of shape, I can run that off the bike. Uh, And then you can start tweaking things equally. You might have one really good, say you do an Olympic distance race, one really good one and then you do another one uh, and it goes really crap and then you can hopefully see the patterns go, okay I biked 200 watts there and that was really good and then I tried riding 225 and then I fell to pieces. So it gives you the ability to learn and analyse your your races. Uh, As Bevan said earlier, it gives you something to focus on when you're out there training, so you're out doing some intervals, You know, you've only got so much mental energy, it gives you something else you can keep an eye on to keep yourself on task and occupy your mind. And then point number six is most of you athletes do not have coaches standing on the sidelines giving you feedback, giving you advice uh, as to whether they think you're going too hard or too easy. You know, if you're in a swimming pool, you're going to have a coach that's constantly doing that. When you go out for bike rides, chances are... You're hardly ever going to have a coach there um, giving you instantaneous feedback. Running, slightly different if you're doing a track workout. So especially on the bike, um, it gives you some some onboard information. Well,
0: and also, let's be honest, for coaches, it's a powerful tool because you oh, can actually massive. see the statistics of what your athletes are doing. Instead of going, oh, I did a 60-minute run, it felt good. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, Because when I started coaching, that was the case, yeah. is you just get the feedback and then so with you, it. If the, the downside for coaches is a lot more information you've got to go through which yeah. is good and bad, it takes a lot more time but you can be so much more powerful as a coach going, okay, you know, you kept your power even for three hours, that's really great, but you so they you, they
0: give you clearer objectives based on the understanding that you give them through the data hmm. you give them.
1: And then but you can say look that this is clearly not going to be sustainable because you know your heart rate is you know it's decoupling and you're going up and you notice when you do that that your cadence is really dropping down. So it really enhances that uh, distance coaching and then you know I had a guy who uh, had a half marathon at the weekend had a really poor race. Um and when you got the fight Let me guess. Went too fast too early. Not a little bit of little bit of that, but it was in a different different climate to what we'd had here. So there was a bunch of factors, but he he just said to me, "I had a crap race. I felt rubbish." You'd go, "Well, shit! I don't know what's going on here." But as soon as I opened up the file, you can go, "Okay." One, two, three, four. There's four reasons why you didn't, why it didn't necessarily go so well. So, so that's
0: my point number seven, your coaches are better. My point number eight, great for motivation, John. Mm-hmm. And the reason it is is because, like, I remember last year when I was training for Queenstown, and I did some really hard sets. Like, if you'd sit run five minutes at hard pace, what does it mean? Whereas I was like, I had to do five minutes at three thirties. Mm-hmm when you look at your watch and you start to go 335, mm-hmm. you know you've got to improve. So, you, you know, it's that, kind of, it's that kind of rubber band of intensity, you know, when the rubber band's really pulling out. But if you've got that gauge, here's where you need to stay. It makes you be more accurate around what intensity is.
1: We, the thing is, we can probably flip all of these positive points you've yeah, well, just yeah. said to on your head. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're trying to do that set and you're running 350s, what's going through your mind? So the, ne- the negative sides of things uh, in terms of the gadgets, and this is where, again... Did not even listen to this interview. So I've got no idea what the person was saying. Uh, you can, for, for the really competitive athletes, you can lose races tactically by staying in your zones. What I mean by that is, say for example, you're doing a half Ironman and you are going for the win, but you're going, no, I'm going to ride at my power. I'm riding. I'm sticking to 250 watts. I don't care what the other people are doing. Let's say five guys go up the road riding legal distance. Uh, if you choose not to go with them. They may well get more of an advantage by being at that legal distance, psychologically working together, you've got the aerodynamics, and they may pull away to such an extent that you lose the race, and had you actually gone with them and stuck on the wheel, maybe ridden 5 to 10 watts harder, it may well have been in your favour. Because so well, the thing
0: is also, there is the one thing I often talk to people about is, is stay in the game to give yourself the opportunity to do well, mm-hmm. and sometimes you go to a place that you never would have gone in training because you're in that group. You know, and if you'd stayed with your numbers and gone away with a group you would have gone well it's the best I could have done but you don't know mm. You know, it's a fine line isn't it it's the
1: risk you take and that ties into point number two mentally you can really limit your potential so sometimes you throw your gadgets out and you go on say a group ride and you just go and all of a sudden you go oh, shit I would never have been able to achieve that if I'd stuck to my numbers So, yeah. and, and I think this is the argument for a lot of um, people that are anti-gadgets is you, you are limiting your and what you could add
0: to that there is you can also limit your, your training experience experience because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who aren't train in groups now because oh it's not doing my yep. numbers absolutely and there's a, you need both don't you? you you do need to go out and just put your balls out on, with a group you know if you, I'm not I mean. putting my balls out anyway <laughs> you some is always do <laughs> <to> it <laughs> We do interesting things down here at Christchurch. <laughs>
1: uh, and it, this sort of ties into point number three. It limits um, where you can go out of your comfort zone. So it's pretty much you know, saying what we've just said, which can be massively beneficial. And that's one of the things that we, you know, we used to do on Epic Camp. And we still certainly do. I, I keep an eye on my gadgets on Epic Camps, but sometimes you go, right, I'm out of my comfort zone here. I'm just going for it and going to see, see what happens. And you need to learn that place. Oh, totally.
0: You really do. You know, like if you want to be successful... You know, like, like to be honest, in my Ironman experience, I probably had two races where I did that well. Mm-hmm. You know, and my last road, like, I, I I died, but man, did I push hard! And you know, mm-hmm. and you need to go to that place if you don't do that. Get to race day because I think that a lot of people on Ironman aren't actually that good at pushing themselves hard. Oh, totally. Agree. You know, they're good at getting to the finish, mm-hmm. but pushing them. I think they just kind of give up and they go, "Oh, I'll just get to the finish." Yep. You know, I remember I, I've often talked about seeing Mecca and wrote and. When he was running and he was just hurting mm. you know and you just you know I, I, and sometimes the thing about ironman is finishing is such an achievement but it almost weakens us a little bit because mm-hmm. you kind of oh well and you know and I, I know many times in the races i did i kind of got to that really hard place like oh you know mm. it wasn't it was easy but when i got to that really hard place i kind of just went to oh well you'll finish yeah whereas in my last road when i wasn't going to get the goal I, I bloody killed myself to get that finish on as fast as possible, and I was really proud of that. Uh,
1: and that's why I always bang on short course racing is good because you can put yourself in those positions more often. Yeah. Uh, point number four: race day gadgets failing it happens more oh, yeah, often. So if yeah. you're 100 percent reliant on your gadgets, and then all of a sudden you don't have it, so you, you know you've got to use those gadgets as tools to help you get in that place where you can ride by perceived effort or run by perceived effort. And then finally, number five, uh, you. I just think with all the gadgets, you sometimes just lose the ability to just go out and enjoy training just go riding go for a ride in the hills who gives a shit what your power is yeah. just go and ride in the hills enjoy the view if you've got company with you do that go and ride some you know if you're worried about your average speed just like I quite often get athletes from Christchurch we've got some fantastic hills like I do a tour to hills and you just go up all these random streets that uh, you never ride up and there might be like a four or five minute climb and you just go up there turn around come back down but so many people are worried about their power up average speeds etc what's going to show up on Strava they won't do those things uh, and so sometimes just going out maybe still track your training but just put it on like time of the day or something with your gadget and just go and do it uh, so there you so go so i suppose in the question if you've got positives and negatives how should we use our gadgets generally use them for your structured workout so you know you might have three to five sessions per week um, probably closer to three where you're actually doing some sort of interval training whether it be intervals on the bike whether it be so you were saying 1k repeats so use your gadgets in those uh, circumstances but if you've just got a general four-hour bike ride you know just in a general endurance phase or it's a strength ride fine turn your gadget on but just ignore it for that four hours and just track the data But whatever uh, and equally with long runs uh, if you're going for a long run on the hill and it's just a general conditioning of course we don't you don't want to be doing it too hard um, but uh, just sometimes just go out there and train and just enjoy training okay, good times. I fall into this trap myself a lot because I've got my gadgets on all the bloody time now and uh, sometimes I just swipe it across a couple of times and go I don't care it is what it is I'm just going to enjoy this ride yeah, or run whatever it is Oh, you push a lot harder on the certainly on the bike. Push a lot harder on the bike. Yeah. So I think my biking's definitely gone up a significant few cogs. And yeah, for me, it gives me the confidence from an athlete that um when I go out and race, I've got a got a plan and I stick to it. Um and you know I've been guilty certainly early Ironmans of going uh too hard too early. Mm.
0: Okay So there you go Hopefully you've got some insight there And uh, you know and, and also just My My last point Is just always remember There's more to the sport Than just the numbers mm. You know There's the social There is the being in nature There is you know All that other stuff That adds to the
1: value of the sport So there you go Winger of the week John Winger of the week uh, Anne-Marie Watson So we Some of these ultra runs Are just nut bar So she 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 had a, uh, a The longer session of the week So that's the top what, The area we're focusing on Moving time is 20 hours and 50 minutes years. Uh, she ran 123 kilometres, but uh, Garmin battery died, so missed the last six hours plus. So she did there 20 go, hours, but it was probably closer to 30. And uh, she did an ult, uh, Oman, man uh, ultra-distance running race. First in, lady Oman.
0: and ninth overall. Mm. So there you go. So And she's got some photos here. She's looking pretty bloody happy as she's crossing that finish line. And fair enough. First, first lady
1: overall wins the race. Early pacing's pretty impressive. Starting off first... 20 odd K or so running five round about first 15 Ks running five minute Ks then it slows to sort of six to six and a half and it's like I'm not not being nasty oh no you run run how fast she ran seven and a half Ks still a few five and a half minute Ks and and it's in a desert how long was it 100
0: mile or was it must have been must have been
1: so (laughs) in a desert yeah oh my god it looks like a well I'd imagine a lot of Oman she's got some great
0: photos she's been running some pretty cool spots You know, you Strava is the number one app for runners and cyclists. There you go. <laughs> uh, so you are, what was her name again?
1: anne Watson.
0: You are a winger of the week, John. Questions Good and answers. Walsons. Good old Michael Cloak sent through. Hey guys, just some news if you didn't already know. I was chatting to the unbelievably friendly Christian Blumenfield at Super League uh, Jersey who told me that he and both uh, Gustav, Gustav Eden uh, were gunning for the 70.3 wheel champs. Course record at Bahrain seventy point three, coming up this weekend uh, with the intention of then going to the World Championships in Nice. So if he brings his trademark uh, tenacity up to seventy point three in South Africa, anything will be go by then. It could be a treat for later in the year.
1: It could be. So if you don't, if you don't follow ITU, Christian Blumenfeld is ha- uh, one of the i uh, um, not Irish, um, Icelandic uh, hammerheads. He just drills it all the time. Really? Uh, he just rides off the front. And in one race this year, there was three of them that got away. Uh, three, I th- remember you talking about this race. Oh, it was an- incredible. And he's just, he is your, he doesn't, he's a lot prettier racer than Lionel Sanders, but he's that type of racer. Yeah, okay, just an animal. A little bit weaker in the, just fractionally weaker in the swim. But not to you. Yeah, um, yeah. but. Lays it all down on the bike. Often just goes on solo breakaways, and then on the run, just goes it holds nuts. Your life. Uh, but can he run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not quite in the same league, so he needs a bit of a buffer. Yeah. Um, so it will be impressive what, to what, see what, what, what it, he does. It'd it, be
0: really cool, you know. You're never going to do this, but to just be able to be inside the mind of different races. Hmm. Imagine if you, could get, you know, like get inside Brownlee's head. in in london Mm. when he won the gold medal or being so you know christian's head when you know like just to experience what it's like to be that person and because everyone's having a different experience of a race aren't they and it'd be really cool you know i suppose vr but it's not really the same thing but to have that human
1: experience of being inside someone's head that's why you need a really good autobiography to really try to extract all that you know what are you thinking about in the last hour before the start of the Olympic Games, you know, yeah. try to go, you know, not minute by minute, but what is actually going through your mind? Are you gladiatorial, wanting to crush the opposition? Are you just focusing on what what you're doing? Um, truthfully, what's actually going on?
0: Yeah, and because it's such a different answer for different people as
1: well. Yeah. We got another email here from good old Shy. He was going ballistic on the emails post Kona. I know, very and, and he's giving
0: us a hard time actually because he only mentioned the first part of my email on the running times. <laughs> of the woman versus men so he's a bit upset we didn't talk about his whole email so shy, we're doing it now uh, but there was another part which i which is interesting here it is again Do you want to go into this john
1: yeah so he said uh kyle buckingham's age group record in kona which was from 2013 which was an 837 so if you know kyle buckingham he's a south african fella who is uh, a pro he won we had him on the show fairly recently was he the one who wore the t-shirt no, he was not. Uh, he was he won Ironman South Africa. I think it was this year or last year. Uh, good, so, very solid pro. You know, when you're winning a championship race, you're doing pretty well. But he was the age group winner in 2013 in 8:37, and this year it was broken by 13 minutes by Dan Pluse in 8:24. That record ain't going anywhere. Anytime no, soon? No,
0: that's impressive. Uh,
1: Jan Seberson tried to break the Kona swim record last year, but finished with the sixth fastest swim. So, if you remember, he was a guy who came out of the swim this year and was jumping for joy when he came out and uh, set the course record. He is Patrick Langer, um, Patrick Langer's manager as well, and he now holds three of the top ten swims in Kona. So, I wonder yeah. how you feel about that? Uh, yeah, that it's a he, funny one. He isn't went it? nuts in the swim. And, Grant, you to, and you have to finish the race still. Still, sure finish the race, but he certainly wasn't wasn't a contender. Whether or not, yeah, I don't know. There's no easy answer to this, but whether how special sure, is it? If yeah, or if you're somebody who's an ex pro cyclist, you go and swim, you know, an hour and a half in the swim, then go ride. and ride four hours and run six hours.
0: Yeah, I've always felt funny about it. It mm-hmm. seems to be the swim is the one that gets away with it the most. Okay, in I remember most back cases. Yeah, uh, uh, back in the old days. It was quite a big thing in Ironman New Zealand. People were trying to get the swim course record. I mean, was it Hayden Woolley? Yeah. Yeah. He, he was a decent Ironman, but he yep. wasn't He wasn't a top-top Ironman, but he would try to get, you know, these guys would try to get the swim course record.
1: Mm. Yeah. Does it, it really matter? Yeah. I suppose for sponsorship. Yeah, no, it certainly would help for sponsorship, if you're a pro. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Karen Thurig's bike course record set in 2011 when she finished sixth overall, and uh, not 20, 2001, as mentioned on the last episode. Missed sorry, it, I missed a sorry, zero there. Sorry. Oh, no, I added a zero. Thurig was a professional time trialist, and she switched to triathlon, and she has been the bronze medalist at cycling time trial in Athens and Beijing Olympics. Uh, so she's quite a serious cyclist. Okay, so, also
0: another interesting note is that uh, this race, only three women of the competitors broke the nine-hour mark and Kona, Reef, Charles, and Caffrey all top-ten female
1: finishes this year went into sub-nine. That's insane. That really is, isn't it? The conditions were just... Freaky, like that. Really, I, I saw some coverage. Actually, the the Iron Man coverage was out on NBC the other day, and I did see that somebody uh, posted it on YouTube. So I'm going to be watching that tomorrow morning. The what? Uh, the the Iron Man coverage, you know, like the oh, the, the NBC t- okay. coverage. Yep. So uh, I did. So hopefully, it's still up on YouTube. But I did notice they were coming back. The females, I just scanned through to see a few of the shots. And they were coming down the Queen K on the way back. And they were absolutely flying with a tailwind down the Queen K. When you've got a tailwind, when you're in the most difficult part of the race, when you're getting, not the most difficult, you know, that 150k mark on the bike, when you're getting a tailwind to assist you back. Oh, Oh, heaven. Massive, massive difference. And your speed, but also, you know, what sort of shape you're going to be in coming off the bike. He also
0: says that Kaferi has three victories in Kona and this year was the fastest
1: ever Kona, but she only got fifth overall. is <laughs> now only the second woman ever to win four consecutive Konas, alongside Paul Newby-Fraser, and for the men, Mark Allen managed to win five.
0: Uh, besides the, uh, the run, all possible records were broken. Overall course records, swim, bike, records for both the men and the women. So overall, it was a stupid fast day.
1: It was. Uh, and he's saying we should get Dan Plews on. We might get to try to get him on for an interview at some stage. Yep. Uh, and maybe Jan Seberson. So we'll see what we can do.
0: Love your work. And hopefully happy if happy with this time. You know, because he was a bit upset. So just <laughs> Yeah. But thank you, because it's pretty awesome stuff. Uh, okay, John, let's talk about patrons.
1: Well, this is a very sad patron, actually. Oh. Um, because James the Trawler Slade, who I had loaded here uh, as, uh, giving a bit of a plug anyway, just emailed me this morning and got hit by a tractor at the weekend. Hit by a tractor? Knocked off his bike by a tractor and shattered his um, shoulder blade, I think. he has got broken ribs oh and no. a punctured lung. That oh was like man. on Sunday and I just put that in last night and didn't realise. Um, so James, we hope you get better soon. Shattered
0: your shoulder blade? Yeah. How do they put that
1: back together? It's going to be a bit of a journey. It's not. A, not going to be a good journey. It's going to be a very difficult oh, journey. Oh, mate, we're thinking of you. Better have a tractor. And Mark the Sledgehammer Stetler. I want to be. Dun, dun. Sledgehammer. 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 Boom, boom. Who sang?
0: Come on, you can do this. Who sang? I'll give you clues. We're going to play a game. Who sang it? Everyone knows it, but you could got... No. Okay, he was in a famous band first.
1: I'm not going to get it, Bevan. I'm going to keep the clues until you going. get it.
0: Okay. The famous band was also with Phil Collins, but Phil Collins wasn't the singer.
1: Well, Phil Collins was in Genesis, but he okay. was the singer in that. Yeah,
0: no, but he did become the singer. Was so, he
1: a, Was he in The Police or something like that?
0: No, 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 you got the band right. So right. this, this thing, guy who sang C Channel was in Genesis, and he was the singer before Phil Collins, and then he left, and then Phil Collins became the singer. Oh, okay. Didn't help? <laughs> no. Um, what's another good clue? He loved doing... Back in the day, his music videos were always really interesting. MC Hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Get the shit. (laughs) Peter
1: Gabriel. All right, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't have got it, but I do know the name. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, Sponsors. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And our patrons. And if you want to
0: go to Patreon, go to www.iamtalk.me and just go on the patronage page. You can have different levels, depending on how much you want to contribute to the show. It really helps us in what we're doing. Um, and also there's gifting based on that. And you're going to draw to come to the Cone of the boys in 2020 i'm looking forward to because this year was so awesome and uh yeah that's good if you want to get the show emailed to you you can just go to our website as well and just got a little email link there put that through and i just each week when i release the show i send through a link now uh, if you want to become a patron i've already talked about that if you want coaching go to coachjohnnewsome.com if you want to get my podcast you can go to Uh, and also if you age groupers websites and other feedback email podcast at gmail.com john
1: Oh, do do see through some age groupers of the week. Have a think about the season because this time of the year is a is a quiet time of the year for us in terms of news and everything that's out there. So flick it, flick through some age groupers. They can be from any time this year or any other really interesting stories or other cool, uh, cool content that you think others would enjoy.
0: Okay, Jumbo, So my my bigger question is,
1: what you got? What's my goth? did my Christmas, bit of Christmas get shopping back. yesterday, we are all sorted, I've just got to, I don't know, I've got you went two on presents Monday. to get, I oh, did do a bit yesterday, yep, got two presents to get, I know what they're going to be, and then we're all sorted, Christmas tree's up, presents going down, it's all good in the hood. Christmas tree, we don't have a Christmas tree up yet. Huh. Why's that? It's life's been busy, you there's no such thing as busy You're prioritising in other areas Okay There's no such thing as busy Yeah <laughs> uh, You've chosen not to have a Christmas tree It's not you're too busy to get one You've chosen No
0: we've got one We just did not put it up Okay But we might Because my daughter's back in town Right So I went and picked up from the airport On Sunday night um, And then uh, she stayed the night Sunday night But she's, we're having a family day on Thursday So it'll be up before Thursday Because okay. you need it for family day Don't exactly. you Exactly And she's not going to be here for Christmas day So it's kind of like our Christmas day mm-hmm. uh, Any in gosses?
1: time for a swim this morning. <laughs> What'd you do? We did. So our set. I'll give you a give this, this the set of the day. We did two hundred warm up, and then two times one hundred IM, and then two hundred where we went twenty five build up, twenty five easy, and then the main set was five times one hundred descend one to five. So that means you're getting progressively faster from number one to number five. So around about two to three seconds per hundred quicker. Then a hundred meters sort of recovery with some drill work. Then four two hundreds descend one to four, Ooh. so again getting progressively faster, uh, and then another hundred recovery with some drills, and then three four hundreds descend one to four, um, getting progressively faster. Good old Tyrone only the first part, and then I had to lead the last and three, three we we 400s. This Uh Two fifty-five was so it, was heavy okay. With it was okay? It was okay. Could be better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. It the coach the pool? pool? pool. Do you write it up? Or was it, Sorry. Who writes up, this, uh, up the sets at the pool? Me. Yeah, we had two lanes humming there we had uh the fast lane we had murray in the other lane with murray's angels i talked him this oh, yeah? morning yeah. murray and his in his three three or four angels in there he's like
0: a uh, he's got his hiram
1: yeah he he's came in and said another word for he could call for his angels as well but i said that's not appropriate i didn't say that's not appropriate i just said be nice uh, and murray. the me too times you can't do that now can you <laughs> yeah um what do you love about christmas a uh, nice bit of food and just going to the beach and turning eat, off my too computer much? and closing uh, closing my computer for as long as I can. Oh. Of course, I eat too much. I'm a pig, Bevan. Yeah, you are, are right, yeah. It's become increasingly hard to be a pig once you get over forty. You keep can't. It off. Yeah, that's the key. Okay. Not good. You all you thirty year olds, you don't have a clue. You, once you, you get to forty, it's like a switch. I've started uh, noticing though. I am having the thought
0: of because I am now forty one, and I still feel fit. Like I don't feel age hasn't got me yet. Mm. Yet. Yeah. But I have started training differently. I've been getting back into the weights room and doing more yoga, so that's probably helping. But, um, you do start looking at younger people and going, "Oh, you really? You're just you just <laughs> don't realise <Yeah>. how easy you got it." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of go, uh, "You just, you know, you, you
1: come see me when you're 41. Yeah. You start thinking that, don't you? Well, I don't think I'm slowing down in terms of speed and and things like that. But yeah, yeah If I get more tired. That belly off? Is uh, no, not really. Just that belly. I'm like. Would you please get off my body? It's like, far out. Well, when you eat, maybe you should say, don't put me in. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know? Eat less, my motto, eat less. <laughs> so if you want to lose weight, how about you try eating less? Oh know, because this is a diet that you could try, John. <laughs> uh, Even what's seen. happening for you? Well, my daughter's home, so I'm pretty
0: excited about that. When, when we watched the, um, the Fury versus Wilder fight. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was an interesting fight. I don't know much about boxing. So, like, I can't score a fight if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I thought Fury had won until that last round, but I thought two knockdowns, so I
1: actually thought it was pretty fair. Well, I gave my my father-in-law some fake news um, because he was around our oh, place really? and it was fake on. News. Well, in uh, incorrect news, and he was he doesn't like Fury. Fury and oh, doesn't he? He's an old school, and he did, What was the other one that was on the other day? He doesn't like Sonny Bill Williams either. So I uh, really struggle with people who don't like Sonny Bill Williams. <laughs> you struggle with my father in law then.
0: Because the, the, for those who don't know, Sonny Bill Williams is a, a, a an all black and a very impressive rugby league player or rugby and league player. Now when he was younger, he made some childish young mm. man mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, and um nothing major, he just basically left some teams on on a bad kind of note, but it wasn't like he was really killing people. Um and people just really dislike the guy. And when you ever hear about him. He's the nicest guy to deal with. He's yeah. the hardest working guy, you know, he just, and he does all the yards. Now, he, unfortunately, this year he's been injured a lot. But he's a legend. He's such a threat on the field because his ability to offload. And it's like, why would you not like him?
1: American audience. You don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. But anyway, um, and because I, I just pulled up my phone. They were around having a drink. And I said, oh, um, it looked like Fury, Fury Lost, because the, the headline was um, Wilder defends his title or something like oh, that. Oh, of course, yeah. So I didn't read the article, I just read the headline and said oh, I must have lost. Didn't oh. realise it was a draw at the time. I do, do you like watching fighting? No, I hate I hate oh, all that fighting stuff. I don't mind a bit of boxing when I've got a favour in there, because of the skill factor, but the, everything else, I just that m- mixed martial arts stuff, it just does my head in. But I know lots of people love it, fine, but it does my head in. I
0: don't really like match martial arts. mixed martial arts, because... I don't really get the groundwork. So I, get, I get it's impressive. I just don't find it that interesting to watch. Mm. Oh, I love a good boxing match. No. Oh, you always want to beat your mate up next to you. Me and my mate Mark watched it. We were going to get the gloves on, have a few rounds to do. The funny story of me is that when I was a young man, um, we, my, I had a mate called Mark Turner, and Mark Turner was a boxer. Mm-hmm. And so you go around to Mark Turner's house, and occasionally you get the gloves out, and and you realise how much of a skill it is, because when you never do a spa with Mark Turner, he basically just beat you up, because basically what you do is you guard your face, you hit your stomach, you drop down and hit your face, you know, <laughs> and I didn't really know how to protect myself, so yeah. basically he beat me up for five minutes, but then one night me and my mate, there was a guy in my crew called Fat Man, and mm-hmm. Fat Man was six foot six, and he wasn't yeah. actually fat, he was he was a solid guy, but he wasn't fat, but his name was Fat Man, so we, one night Fat Man and I got the gloves out, and one thing I have in life, John... Is enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And so I went in 110. So I basically threw 100 punches in four seconds. And, uh, and I just started laying into Fat Man like crazy. And I was just, I, I kind of was destroying him for about 10 seconds. And then he just went, boom, <laughs> one punch, I'm on the ground. No. So then I try to get up again. Another 10 seconds of me being enthusiastic, boom, game over. I was out. <laughs> and even to this day, I still get a, bit of a hard time about that one. God. But John, I'm a loving auto fighter.
1: I'm in Indiana Wells, La Quintana is coming up this weekend. Just had a press release through. $25,000 prize money. Were you listening to me, John? Yeah, I was. You had <laughs> got the boxes. Yeah, I could three, tell because you look at your screen the whole time. 3,000 participants coming from 47 countries. 18-year-old Justin. 3,000? Yeah. Um, 18-year-old Justin Pialetti from Renauco Beach, California will be the youngest male. 18-year-old Megan Come on, give us some easy names, for God's sake. Uh, Smith. Imari, uh, Im, Imarino from, from Surprise, Arizona. It's an interesting place to come from, Surprise. <laughs> did, you, did you watch the news last night? No. Did you not? Uh, might have done. You watch the news every night, don't you? No, we fast-forward three-quarters
0: of it. But did you watch the piece about the guy who the, the, the uh, did, did, did their house up in America? Oh, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> it was pretty good, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> it was like, in America, this house was a pretty flashy house. It would be worth yeah. millions. And they, um, they'd done the, was it um, National Lampoon's? National Lampoon's holiday, yeah, or whatever it is. Holiday, where he's putting up the decorations, falls off the roof, and he's holding on, and the, and the letter's falling. And they'd done this, part of the de- decorations. They'd done this dummy, and the letter, and so the, this guy... We were walking down the street. Oh, my God, someone's dying, so he's trying to save this dummy. Mm-hmm. It was
1: absolute gold. Lionel Sanders is racing in <laughs> this see, race. See, see, see. He doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> they gave him $500 um, gift voucher. Yeah, they were very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Lionel Sanders is back racing in this uh, race, as is Carrie Lester, Hayley Chira, and Joe Gambles. I'll do what John does. Tell me something. Tell me. Really? Go. Oh, I've got this really interesting bike session I'm going to do today, and um, oh, it's going to be so good. I'm going to go so hard, and I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> What are you? What are you thinking about that bike? We're Did out, you watch your cricket last night?
0: Because <laughs> 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 you can at least fake it. He doesn't even look at it. He just basically looks somewhere else. <sighs> Use some sharpen up. You yeah, know, let's get on with it. Iron rust. Iron and don't train hard. Train smart. Kick out.